The Autobiographical Time-Traveling Adventures of Me, by Doc Moran. Brought to you by your ad here. It's 10 p.m. somewhere, probably. Do you know where your ad is? It could be here, safe and sound, helping you out. But no, you can't be bothered to keep tabs on it. Everything would be safer with your ad here. Episode 3, Nazis Underground. Deep below Midtown Manhattan's Waldorf Astoria Hotel, at Track 61, secret parking spot for the presidential choo-choo, the Secret Service detail assigned to protect Franklin and Eleanor Roosevelt lay sprawled on the train platform surrounding the president's convertible limousine, victims of an electricity-charged flood of water. Only the president, the first lady, and their chauffeur were spared, safely seated in the limo and protected by the car's rubber tires. Strange, squishy sounds emanated from the shadows at the far end of the platform. Aghast with horror, the occupants of the car turned as one towards the sound of wet, splashing, flopping foot steps. From out of the darkness, several figures emerged, walking with an awkward, groin-stretching gait, each footfall slapping hard against the wet concrete. Four frogmen stepped into the light. Not, you know, literal human-frog hybrids, but men, dressed in skin-tight black rubber wetsuits from their necks to their ankles, with rubber gloves on their hands and rubber duck-footed swim fins on their feet. Unlike amphibian frogs, they each had a large rucksack on their back, and they were armed with submachine guns. The foremost frogman, the leader judging by his body language, looked like a funhouse mirror version of someone handsome. There was something twisted and lopsided about him. Also, he was far too blonde for comfort. Another of the frogmen toted a large wrench, the kind a plumber might use on pipes and such to make water go everywhere. He looked skittish and furtive, like a heroin-addled rat. A third frogman gripped an electrical cable with a cut and exposed end, the source of the incapacitating current. He had a cruel face that leered out from beneath a beetle brow. He gave the distinct impression that as a child, he liked to pull the wings off of flies and then glue them onto other flies. The fourth and largest frogman was a huge brute who looked like he would prove to be slow-witted on any topic besides the methodology of causing grievous bodily harm. He carried a fifth man over his shoulder who wore the uniform of a Grand Central Red Cap Porter. An involuntary participant in the night's events, the Red Cap's legs were drawn up as far away as possible from the water, which had started to recede as it spilled over the platform edges. The frogmen had used the surrounding electrical and plumbing works to create the trap that felled the Secret Service agents and likely the train crew before them. The rubber suits had protected them from the electrical current and from getting wet, which was a nice bonus. Plus they had that kinky evil thing going for them, a relevant factor since each of the rubber suits had a swastika emblazoned on the arm. Nazis! shouted Eleanor Roosevelt, and she pointed too, for added clarity. Indeed, Frau Roosevelt, we are National Socialists, said the not-handsome frogman leader, pointing his weapon at the occupants of the limousine and flapping forward in giant flippity-floppity clown steps. Und gut abend to you, Herr President. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Herr Blau, und these are my compatriots. Herr Grau, electrical wire Nazi licked his lips at them. Herr Grun, Plumber's wrench scratched himself by way of greeting, Und Herr Brown, the brute holding the red cap tried to nod, but got confused halfway through. We believe you are annoying the red cap, who is not a member of our party. Herr Brown dropped the red cap to the ground and pushed him stumbling toward the president's car. The red cap quickly composed himself as he reached it. Jimmy, exclaimed the president, for the red cap was James H. Williams, chief of the red caps, a man who knew and was known by more individuals of importance than anyone in New York, and who knew more about the inner workings of Grand Central Terminal than anyone alive.
Evening, Mr. President, said the chief, catching his breath. What's the word, Jimmy? asked the president with false nonchalance. I don't know, sir. This is above my pay grade, whispered the chief. These cockamamie crowds grabbed me when I was helping prepare your train, and then they put the kibosh on everybody else. Apologies for the waterworks on the light show, Herr Blau continued. It is seeming the most expeditious way to immobilize these unnecessary peoples. Oh now, Herr President, you will be taking us to the secret power station beneath the terminal. You will be taking us to M42. M42? Never heard of it, the President blurted unconvincingly. Please, Herr President, do not be playing us for the fools. You are well aware that M42 is located beneath the Grand Central, and you and your yarming wife are our tickets of admission. Our bargaining chops. And you, Redcap, he continued, spitting on the chief, are our guide to its secret location. I'm not showing you the way to the can, you ugly crowd son of a bitch, said the chief defiantly. You will show us M42 and your can and anywhere else you wish to see, or we will kill your president and your first lady, screamed the ugly crowd son of a bitch. You are the chiefs of the Redcaps and you know all the Grand Central Zings. Be taking us there at once! And as punctuation, the irate Nazi took one wide flopping step forward and punched the limousine chauffeur right in the jaw, knocking him out cold. The chauffeur, we do not need. The chief and the Roosevelt stared at each other in silent conference. It seemed like there was nothing for it. The chief made the call. All right, you ratsy bastard. I'll show you the way. Maybe you'll all trip and break your necks en route. End of episode three. If you're enjoying this series, you can send a Venmo tip at Doc Moran. All one word.